you are a writer because you write and not because of the publications that you have or the readings that you do or the notoriety of your work. You are a writer because you put the pen on the page. Fierce Women Writing is a partner of Terra Preta Review, which exists to unearth phenomenal writing and art by folks at all stages of their careers. Terra Preta is drawn to writing and art that grows from the trash heap of life, and they're especially interested in work by members of marginalized communities. To read their first issue, and to submit work for consideration, visit terrapretareview.org. Welcome to Fierce Women Writing, a podcast where female voices are elevated, creativity is ignited, and writers are inspired. I believe that stories can enlighten, heal, and entertain the reader and the writer. First, the writer has to quiet their doubts long enough to get the words on the page. I'm here to help you put your doubts away and focus on your creativity. Every day I talk to writers and would-be writers who aren't writing. They're not writing because they don't think they're good enough because they've been rejected, don't have time, or don't know where to start. That's why I created this show, so that you can hear from other writers who want to inspire you to share the stories that only you can tell. I'm Sarah Gallagher. Come write with me. Hey there, Fierce Writers. Today's guest is Shayla Seabree. Shayla Seabree is the author of the NAACP Image Award-nominated poetry collection, Mistress, in the forthcoming Lyric Meditation Field Study. She's received fellowships from the Delaware Division of the Arts, Hedgebrook, the McDowell Colony, and Yaddo. She currently serves as the director of the Stadler Center for Poetry and Literary Arts and is an assistant professor of English at Bucknell University. Welcome to the show, Shayla. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Shayla, what are the ideal conditions for you to write? The ideal conditions for me to write... Um, I love silence and stillness, which for me means that the morning for some reason is the best time for me. I feel as though that there are lots of people who are night owls, um, but I love to wake up with the sun and to wake up right before dawn or right at dawn. Um, and that's oftentimes the best time for me to write. My brain is clear. Uh, no one has started emailing me yet. Most people aren't up quite as late as 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. So it's not even as though I can hop on social media and get distracted that way. So um, stillness that comes from other people not really being awake or ready to engage with people helps me, but also the silence that comes with the morning. Um, I really enjoy that quiet time to really settle into my thoughts. I don't feel cluttered from the day in terms of the thoughts that are rolling around in my brain. And I'm really able just to, to just focus. Um, I love writing by water, um, but oftentimes I cannot actually go by water to write. I love writing near the ocean, but um, in lieu of that, I often sometimes will substitute silence for the sounds of waves or white noise to kind of give me that effect because um, it really calms me. And so calmness, I guess, is really key um, and stillness and silence help me get to that place of calm to write. Why do you write? I think I primarily write because of how I've always felt as a reader. There were countless times throughout my life where I felt like I went to books and other people's words to either escape reality. I loved sci-fi and fantasy books as a teenager or to to 
feel seen in a book and to know that I wasn't alone. And so I think I come to the page hoping as a writer that I can create a space like that for someone else. I want, I hope uh, to be that for someone else because it was so important for me. And so when I sit down to write, yes, it is in large part me processing things, me rendering the world in a way that I can understand it. But I'm hoping in that rendering and that work that I'm doing that someone else can approach the page and feel like they can see themselves or it's a place where they can get lost in. Um, so a space where that that they can help process their world as well. What are your best writing tips? The writing tip I say the most is that you are a writer because you write and not because of the publications that you have or the readings that you do, or the notoriety of your work, you are a writer because you put the pen on the page. And sometimes it is hard to put the pen on the page. I know right now I've had a really difficult time feeling like I could fully get on the page. And so um, the other thing I tell people is that the page will always be there when you're ready for it. It's waiting for you. Um, And so it might be that there are years that you don't spend writing, but you are thinking, you are engaging with the world critically, you are being attentive, and the page will be there when you feel that you are ready to approach the page. So you are a writer because you're right, and the page will always be ready for you, are my two best tips. What are your suggestions for someone trying to overcome a block? I think sometimes, at least for me, writer's block often came when I started thinking about the ways in which the writing would exist in the world. Um, This was particularly an issue for both of the book projects that I've worked on. Um, They have both been very rooted in research. My collection, Mistress, looks at um, the lives of two Black women to talk about the ways in which they are different and similar. And one of them is the imagined voice of Sally Hemings, an enslaved woman who had at least six of Thomas Jefferson's children. And so a lot of the writer's block that came through that project or happened during that project was really from thinking about the ways in which there was a responsibility to create her in a way where she was presented as a full human and not this stock character in Jefferson's history. And I oftentimes got very anxious, honestly, about how I was presenting her in the world. And that caused me a great deal of writer's blocks. Um, And the second book that I'm working on is a lyric meditation where I just worried that it was too chaotic and messy and it didn't make sense. And so oftentimes to get around writer's block, I have to forget the rest of the world. And it kind of goes back to my writing tip. You are a writer because you write. I have to forget that this might see the light of day and someone someone else might read it. And I really just have to focus on what I desire and what I want to put on the page. And so when I'm feeling those moments of blockage and I can't just force myself to forget about the potential audiences, I just start writing. Um, And it might not be anything about the topic I'm writing about. So I might've sat down to write um, a, a portion of field study, and I will just write in my journal. I can't think of what to write. I can't think of what to write. And at some point, I will start writing about all of the anxieties that I'm having. And something about naming those anxieties makes it easier for me to say, I've acknowledged these. I'm going to set these down, and I'm going to get to work. And so that is my my advice is don't pretend like you can just get around the writer's block, acknowledge perhaps what's getting in the way. It might be that you have family commitments. It might be that you have other work to do. And it might be that you need to take care of those things before you can get to the page. But I think acknowledging what is keeping you from what could be potentially keeping you from the page is really important. What about editing and revising tips? 
I think it is incredibly important to hear your work aloud, uh, whether you are reading it to other people or recording it and listening to it yourself. You'll find out places in the language where you're getting tripped up. It might look beautiful on the page, but you realize it's awkward in the mouth, particularly for poetry. Um, you, you can hear the sound quality, you can hear the rhythm, you can hear the cadence, the rhyme um, when you're reading it aloud, which I think is a really great technique. But I am also a Luddite to my core. Um, so I print out poems and essays in progress um, and line edit them by hand because there's something about having not having the engagement of the screen and really having the book in the way that I think that people will engage with it that I find really useful. Um, so reading it, I read it aloud when from a printed copy most times. And that if I've, I found that very, very helpful in terms of editing, um, whether it's an individual poem or a full collection. Um, I often put books in progress up on a blank wall um, and move them around in that way. And that helps me see not only the the entirety of the project in a visual way that makes me think, oh, this really is a project, um, but in a way that I'm able to look at the top right corner and see the fact that I use the word dove and in the bottom left corner of this wall of poems that I'm also using the word dove. And it helps me see sort of the imagery that I'm building, the language that I'm using, um, again, in that really tactile way that helps me reorganize a collection, edit the poems that they're in conversation with each other, et cetera. Can you estimate your submission to publication ratio? The short answer would be no, <laughs> um, because I I submit, I, I've gone through periods of heavy submission, but I really hold, thing, hold on to things for quite a long time. Um, before sending them out. I know that while I was in graduate school, I had classmates that were submitting poems while we were in graduate school. And I don't think I submitted my first poem uh, until two years after graduate school. My program was three years long. So I don't think I submitted my first poem for about five years for um, publication. I think I sent out some poems to see if I could get any feelers, but I, I hold things close to the chest and uh, I'm I, I think I submit pretty sparingly, which I don't think always serves me, but I, I spend a lot of time looking at journals and feeling, wondering whether or not my work would be good for a particular journal. So I don't really have an estimate of ratio, but I do know that when I do submit, uh, I feel really wonderful when I get a submission at a place where I've really felt like is a home for my work. Um, I, and when I do submit, I do submit in large numbers. I just do it so often that I guess I'm not entirely sure what the ratio would pan out to be. Who are some other women writers we should be reading right now? Well, one of the women that I would love for you all to be reading right now is my poetry collaborator, Shayla Lawson. She just came out recently with her first essay collection. Um, it's called This Is Major Notes on Diana Ross, Dark Girls, and Being Dope. And it is a beautiful essay collection, not just because it is a celebration of Black women and femmes and Black joy, which I think is, you know, a real reason for that collection to be celebrated. But there's something so distinct about her voice that's coming across in the collection. Um, and I think it is an incredible achievement of someone being a, a very true version of themselves on the page. And so I highly recommend that that essay collection, which she also has an audiobook, and both feel like 
when you're reading or listening to it, like you're sitting down at a table with a glass of wine with her, which I think is really lovely. And the other writer I would suggest is Dantil Moniz, who doesn't have a book out yet. It comes out in February 2021. It is called Milk, Blood, Heat. It is a short story collection. Uh, Her and I, we, we went to Hedgebrook together in Washington State, a residency for women. And I was floored then and I'm floored now by the deaf musicality of her sentences. Um, And some of the core questions she asks in the collection are, am I a good person and should the world go on? And I just feel like those are questions we're all sort of asking of ourselves in this particular moment in the world. And so to watch someone ask those questions so masterfully with such control over sound and rhythm, which my poetry loving heart loves, has been a real pleasure. So February 2021, Milk, Blood, Heat. (laughs) Shayla, where can listeners find you online? Listeners can find me online at shaylaseabree.com. My first name is spelled, as you will see, um, uniquely. So it's C-H-E-T-L-A-S-E-B-R-E-E.com. And there I have links to poems uh, of mine and a, a feature I did for a literary magazine, West Branch, and interviews I've done of other individuals. And so... That's probably the best landing page for me. Um, And hopefully soon there'll also be a little bit of content about my forthcoming book. Can you remind us the name of that book and when it comes out? Yes. um, Field Study will be out in June 2021 from FSG Originals. And it is a lyric meditation on the self and desire and identity formation, particularly as one Black woman investigates how she ended up in a particular relationship with one white man. Shayla, would you read some of your work for us now? Absolutely. I will actually read a selection from Field Study. Politics of respectability or respectability politics, assimilation, concession to the mainstream, policing that supports standard American English. Is my fight against the mad Black woman in me a function of said respectability? Everyone hates a black woman. It's hyperbolic, but it isn't. Quote, women of color in America have grown up with a symphony of anger at being silenced, at being unchosen, at knowing that when they survive is in spite of a world that hates our very existence outside of its service. Audre Lorde. I have sat at a lot of tables have learned that I'm pretty code switch enabled. In a bar in a white liberal loving city, a white woman moved my body to position hers against a railing. I am too tall to stand center, she whispered, making me small. In the same city, in the same week, a white woman spat wine on me. I was choking, she barked with no apology. To me, These aren't microscopices. I felt like society's eraser shards, bits used to fix other people's shit then discarded. Somehow, still a wet nurse from actual babes to Alabama special election saves. Quote, my secret, I'm always angry, Bruce Banner. And why wouldn't I be? My friends call me Captain Save-A-Ho, but here I'm not trying to save anyone. 
except maybe me. Daughter of a hot comb, I oscillate between flat and fro. This prompts people's opinions. Straight, assimilate. Curls, political. No reality of versatility. Everything a statement. The same extends to the penis I frequent. Stylists have deemed my hair kind of coarse. My contra alto is easily hoarse. My small pear shape has thigh riding high. It looks like my ass because it reaches around the side. I take pride in these. And in August, I risk burn to augment myself a sweeter color. I've wondered about being too tart if I'd be a disappointment to some of my ancestors. When the field's a bar, I take note of what I've chosen to wear, of my style of hair. You met me when my hair was straight, bob clipped. The last time we kissed, I was rocking two strand twists. When the field's a bed, most men don't give a damn about respectability. I know a porno when I feel one. Pump, pump flip. When the field's a bed, I care about the girth of his finger, not what color it is. I want to be palm raw and hip bone sore. I want it on the bed, on the floor, in the back of my O2 Honda Accord. I want his fingertips to smooth over me slowly, fingerprint and follicle in holy union. I remember the serrated edge of breath and jut of jaw when I heavy panted over your fresh-licked earlobe. I shouldn't say these things. This, I know. I was raised by good, church-going people. Quote, in the context of American slavery, antebellum Southerners accepted the image of the sexually insatiable enslaved woman, thereby characterizing all white men as victims of sepia temptresses. Cheryl D. Hicks. I can see why I should distance myself from this legacy. Note, even in this retelling of history, the women are light-skinned. I worry my family will be embarrassed for and or of me, that they will be ashamed of what I'm saying. But I fear silence like crustacean-crushing mandibles of the deep. Quote, Black women fashioned a protective silence so successfully that Black women eventually lost the ability to articulate any conception of their sexuality. Cheryl D. Hicks. I'm not sure if monsters are born or made. I refuse to be made monster of circumstances. I want to do things differently. Night blooming jasmine, downward facing trumpet of a tiger lily. Thank you for sharing your writing and wisdom with us today, Shayla. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Now it's time for our writing prompt. I suggest setting a timer for six or eight minutes, putting Shayla's prompt at the top of your page, and free writing whatever comes to mind. Remember, the important part is keeping your pen moving. You can always edit later. Right now, we just want to write something new and see what happens. Here's Shayla. So my writing prompt actually goes back a little bit to that question of what to do during writer's block. And so my suggestion is to take out a piece of writing that has content you feel passionate about 
but a piece you feel like isn't working for one reason or another, be it a poem, a short story, an essay, and write it in a different mode. And so this could mean a lineated poem becomes a prose poem or a sonnet becomes a free verse poem. Um, but if you're really feeling like pushing yourself a little bit harder, try a completely different form. And for me, this is how I came to field study. I was fascinated with self-exploration and what I wanted to explore in it, but it found I found that the parameters of a poem felt too confining. Um, and the essay felt like I was supposed to have some sort of conclusive answers, which is how I ended up at this hybrid lyric meditation. So if you have a short story or a novel that's not working, spend six or eight minutes trying to figure out how it would be a poem. And this may not lead to you ditching a 200-page novel for a two-page poem, but hopefully it does teach you something about the priorities of the piece, and maybe it leads you to new places. Um, I know that the writers that I mentioned before, Dantiel Moniz and Shayla Lawson, both of them have worked outside of their primary genre, which I'll say in air quotes. So for Dantiel, she noted how poetry workshops have made um, have been really useful to her work on sentence construction, which she loves. And Shayla writing essays led to her full-blown book. So my writing prompt is for you all to be open to the vastness of language and form and try rewriting something whose content you really love into a different form. Oh my gosh. You are a writer because you write. Of course. It can be so easy to tell ourselves that we'll really be a writer when when that book gets published, when we win an award, a fellowship, a residency, when it's a bestseller, or we get picked for a famous book club. But none of that is true. You are a writer because you put the pen on the page. Thank you, Shayla, of course. And thank you so much for listening this week. One thing you can do to help the show grow is to write a review or leave a star rating on the podcast platform you use to listen. This helps other people find the show and helps me reach more writers. I'm Sarah Gallagher, and this is Fierce Woman Writing. I'll be back next Thursday with another episode. Until then, keep writing. Become a supporting member of the podcast with a monthly contribution at FierceWomenWriting.com. Get more writing prompts and engage with other writers on our Instagram page at Fierce Women Writing. Remember, women is spelled with an X. You can also help us reach more writers by sharing this episode with a friend and subscribing, downloading, and reviewing the podcast. Thank you for listening.